you know a lot about golf. Well, we're waiting. It is time for us, us being, we being, who cares, those weekend golf guys. I am John Ashton in the studio. He is the Golf Magazine Top 100 instructor, teacher, whatever the word you want to use is, Jeff Smith. I think who cares? I think it's your former English teacher who cares. And my English instructor. English instructor? <laughs> Dr. Smith. That's yes. who cares. Who right? is very, very fond of saying consistency is the hobgoblin of small minds. I found out later, and it dashed my whole bubble. I, I found out later that it was an incorrect recital of the quote. The quote is, a foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of a small mind. Consistency is not bad, especially in golf. Right. I was thinking that, that you know whoever came up with that quote, as you said it the first time, maybe they just had ADD. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Could be. Uh, man. It's funny, you and I, we've discussed this before off air. You and I have both suffered from ADD since we were little children. Yeah. And except we're older, older so that we weren't prescribed medications. <laughs> it was just like, hey, get over it. You know? You're right. We need so much sugar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But we both have an affinity for golf. You know, one is more developed than the other, but that goes but without saying. Here's the, here's the thing. All right. All these, all you ADD folks out there, right? That we're lumped in together, right? Golf is like the perfect sport for people with ADD because we only got to pay attention for just like 20 seconds. That's it. And then we can just check out and go to wherever we want to go to. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we're like, we just got to find the trigger that makes us pay attention to the very next shot. That's it. Right? You don't want to do the whole look a squirrel in the middle of your backswing. That's no, that's not, not good. Not it, but man, as soon as the ball's in the air, you can go look at all the squirrels and acorns and starfish you want. Man, I had a round on Friday, started early and only played nine because it was so oppressively hot here. I mean, we had hind- oh. heat index of like 103. Oh. What, what's that like? Yeah, the humidity and all that. You forgot so quickly they forget when they leave. Uh- it's okay. You'll be back in Florida in a couple of months and it'll come back to you all yeah. too quickly, I'm sure. Yeah, right. You but I only, my face off for some reason. <laughs> I only played nine. And I don't know if it was because I was I knew I was only going to play nine. I I, I played better. I, I concentrated better. I hit eight out of nine greens in regulation. Ooh, look at Mr. Ironplay. And I had four bogeys. Well, no, I didn't. I had I had two bogeys and one double bogey because I still can't chip to save my life consistently. But oh. that's a topic for another day. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? You just said you hit eight of nine greens. Uh-huh. And it was, the, about chipping. it was the ninth green when I had a double oh, Jeff, bogey. Did you have like two <laughs> chips or something? Uh, no, I... I I didn't reach the green in regulation, so I had to chip on for my fourth shot, and I blew the chip, and I was, like, still 23 feet from the pin, and I putted it real close. I mean, it was only, like, six inches away from the cup, but it was still my seventh sh- shot. Bummer. Yeah. You know, you're required to play another sh- another hole after that because you're never allowed to finish on the, on a, with a double bogey. 
well, it wasn't the ninth hole. It was the, the I'm just saying the, the ninth green, the, the one I didn't, well, it, okay. I, I don't remember which one it was. It was a par five though. So I believe it was number seven or number eight. But anyhow, one of the things that I noticed, even though I shot a 40, which is good for me. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I had some problems because there has been a lack of rain for the past couple of weeks. The ground was very hard on the tee boxes. It wasn't yeah. hard in the fairway, but on the tee boxes, it was hard. And on this one hole, I could not manage even banging on the tee. I could not mad manage to get the tee more than maybe an inch or eighth of an inch or a quarter of an inch into the ground. So the ball was teed up much higher than I normally have it teed up. So I started channeling. I, I took out my WWJSD bracelet. You know, what would Jeff Smith do? And I, I moved the ball a little bit farther forward in my stance. And yep. I swung out of my shoes. And I tell you, man, I have never hit a drive that straight and that far in my life. <laughs> like it. So that's like my new technique now. Well, look, maybe you should realize why that worked and just make it your normal. Yeah. Explain to me why it worked and, and make sure because I tried it again a second time and I yanked it way left. <laughs> okay. And so I said, nobody saw that one, did they? So, all right. So let's think about it. Okay. Where you put the ball, right? You just described putting it more forward. Yeah. Right. So, where was it before and where did you put it? I put it maybe two inches a little farther forward than normal. It's normally like halfway between my hip joint and my foot. Okay. So, if you look at how wide your shoulders are mm -hmm. and you put the ball like mid shoulder where you could stand with your driver right with your arms are at your sides and you just pushed your left arm straight out with the club in your hand the ball would have been sitting on the face of the, the, the ball would be sitting on the face of the club at that point yes right yes so that's the place where all things kind of come around and snap to straight it's kind of like a a door hinge right closing to that spot so if you had it behind that to begin with, that wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> you think? You'd have had trouble. You'd have had trouble getting really good contact and ball flight out of that one. So you put it in the place where I always tell you to put it. Yeah. So that way the club is coming, you know, from back up and around you to down, around, and in front of you, and everything starts pointing and traveling to the target at that moment in the golf swing. That's where it is. What yeah. a great place to put a ball to run into the back of the golf ball at that point and propel it high and straight. Who'd have thunk it, man? I know. It's just kind of crazy <laughs> that it could be that simple. I know. But you just won't seem to let yourself make it that simple, will you, big boy? <laughs> somebody, somebody has to make this interesting for y'all. Well, it's true. Look, without you making those kind of, say, foolish mistakes – what would we have to talk about on this show? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> so, you know, this kind of thing is a lot like a whole lot of comedians wouldn't have any material if it weren't for politics. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
So we wouldn't have nearly as much to talk about on this show if it weren't for you doing the things that average golfers do to mess things up. So there. All right. Well, that's, that's why I'm here making the big bucks, man. That's right. That's <laughs> it, right? Mm-hmm. You're just you're just providing the creative material for our show. <laughs> it was it was um, teed up, ex- 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 especially. High. I mean, I have never teed a ball that high in my life because I use a big tee anyhow. Yeah, and but and it was like big martini tee things. Well, it's kind of like a martini, but the head isn't quite as big. Okay, but I'm still using the same tee I opened up a year and a half ago. So. So if it's not a martini tea, what what is it? Like a rum and coke tea or something? Yeah. <laughs> Just a regular highball tea. You know? Is that what it is? Okay. Just trying to figure this out. Um okay, so why does putting it forward and higher work? So let's think about this. The club is swinging in the air and it's coming down around and in front of you, and at some point it bottoms out and then it heads back up. Yes. Traveling up, facing up, right? Yes. Well, guess what? The down part is back, you know, not center, but just a little forward of center. Mm-hmm. And then it starts to ascend. Mm-hmm. It starts to rise on up there. So that little 10 degree driver of yours has the ability to launch that thing at like 14 degrees if you're moving the thing up four degrees. Yep. That seems to make a little sense. Yeah. Even if you don't understand geometry. Guess what? It's rising up just a little bit and it's facing a little higher. So when it rams into the golf ball, it plows into it and it knocks it up in the air. Oh, yeah. By the way, you're also hitting below the equator of the ball. So that helps, too. Yeah. See, and that's and that's, that's why I, I consciously moved it forward from where I usually have it, because I knew that I needed, because it was so high up, I needed to strike it as the club was moving up further than it normally is when it strikes it. Because I didn't the- want it to strike it. At the top of the club, I needed it to strike lower on the club face, even because the ball was higher. See, what yeah. would WWJSD actually? It's WWJSTMTD. What would Jeff Smith <laughs> tell me to do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, besides take up bowling, yes. yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, you gotta take, I see something, right? <laughs> So, okay, so let's talk about some of the chipping things, right? If you're if you're struggling with chipping, come. Why don't we talk about that coming up? Okay, we can do we're that. We're going to talk about that. Are you thinning them? Are you fatting them? Or what's I'm, the I'm fatting here? them most of the time. Hmm. Fatting them most of the time, yeah. I mean, the practice swings are beautiful, but, you know, you get there. Yeah. Actually, I won't say I'm fatting them. What I'll say is I don't have the self-control or the self-discipline or the self-confidence to swing hard enough to get the ball all the way to the pin. Yeah. Well, look, if you start if you start hitting poor contact, now you know that the distance is going to be troublesome. Right. And now all of a sudden you don't know how hard to hit it. And yeah. you're not willing to do that, right? You're yeah. just being cautious. You're playing, you're playing defensively. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to have to chip back from the other side of the green. You know, no. I'm closer than than that now. So okay, so we'll talk about some of the other the other bad things I did in my very nice round as as my uh, playing partner said. You know, I'm I'm playing like crap, but I'm scoring well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll delve into that comment and a few more things when we come right back. We all those weekend golf guys. 
I'm going to confess to you right now. When we started this business, I had no idea what I was doing other than the fact that I was good on the radio and I knew how to play golf and I had this great co-host and then it came down to the nitty gritty when I had to like keep records, accounting, all the things that you have to do when you run a business and it was like, what am I doing? So I did a little research and I found that there was this one program that, that took care of everything I needed and was easy to learn and it helped me out. It's called NetSuite. And we've been using it for about five years now. We were doing everything manually and it took forever. It took forever. And once we got a little bit bigger than just me and Jeff, well, we started to see the cracks emerging and and things that we used to be able to do in a day took a week, maybe, you know, a couple weeks. Everything was manual and we didn't have just one source to open up and see where we were. If this sounds like you and your business, you should know three numbers, 36,000, 25, and one. What are they? Okay, well, 36,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. 25, well, that NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less. Close the books in days, not weeks, and drive down their costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs. That's key performance indicators. I learned that. In one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve your margins. That's the best part. Everything you need, all in one place. And right now, you can download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist. It's designed to give you consistently excellent performance, absolutely free, at netsuite.com slash golfguys. That's netsuite.com slash golfguys to get your own KPI checklist for free. netsuite.com slash golfguys. And we are back, those weekend golf guys. I'm John Ashton. He is Jeff Smith. I had a, a round of 40, nine holes of 40, which is pretty cool. When I say round, don't think you hit 40. That's, that's no, nine holes. That was it. Four over par. You know, big whoop. No, really bad. No birdies. I had no birdies. I just had par. Yeah, you hit eight of nine greens. So we, we have to talk a little bit about this putt. Or where do you start from? I mean, are you hitting it just because you hit the green? Are you close enough to actually have a legitimate chance? Every bogey I got was was because it, the first putt was very long. And right, and you can you can tell me I'm crazy if you want to. Okay, but I won't <laughs> believe it. Be- but the speed of each green was different. Sure. Before I say you're crazy, because yeah. now that you've greenlighted me to do that, I think that's appropriate for three or four times during the show. As a matter of fact, we'll probably title the show, Yes, Folks, John is Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but before I tell you that, I'm going to agree with you. So let's talk about how is it that certain golf courses or whatnot, um, you know, based on time of day sometimes, yeah, can the greens be different speeds? So let's get into that. How's it possible? You know, at the beginning of the day, pretty much all the golf courses cut all the greens. Mm-hmm. But yet, there's nine holes that you played, and that is nine different growing environments for the mm-hmm. day. Yeah. All right? So let's think. During the course of the day, so you go out and you play in the late afternoon, and the greens were cut that morning, say 6.30 in the morning or something, and you're playing at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. What's happened since then, right? 
some dry out faster than others. Mm-hmm. Usually the ones that get just a little bit more sun in the mornings, because they all get sun in the middle of the day, right? Right in the afternoon. But the ones who get a little bit extra sun in the mornings have a tendency to dry out more. Yeah. Then they become firmer, faster than the ones who dry out later. And the greens that are sitting up higher in elevation, which you know, most golf course you play, there's a little bit of elevation change. They're not all just dead flat. But the ones that sit lower in elevation tend to hold water longer. Okay. Yeah. So the higher greens dry out faster. The ones that get earlier sun dry out a little faster, right? Mm-hmm. And then, depending on the kind of golf course you're playing, let's say that they cut the greens to say, let's say it's a nine stimp because it's it's hot out. It's summertime out. And they want to have the grass alive. So they're when it here it is, it's really hot. So here they are, they want grass, so they're gonna leave it a little bit longer. You know what happens to grass during the during the day? It grows a little bit, folks. So if they leave it a little bit longer to begin with, so it rolls at about a nine, and then it grows during the day, now all of a sudden it's getting a little fuzzier, and now all of a sudden you could see some grain. Mm-hmm. And if you're down grain and you're looking at it, you can tell because it's kind of shiny in the direction that you're putting, it'll be a little faster. But if you putted the opposite direction and you saw the green is a little darker in color, that means the grass is growing against you, the grain is growing against you, and then it'd be a little bit darker green. So if you're putting and you walk around your putts and you see grain, one side shiny, one side darker, going one direction or the other, you know which one's about to be faster. So here's these explanations of how come the every one of these greens is different speeds. Right? Mm-hmm. We got different growing environments. We got grass a little longer. And we got grain that all affects that stuff. And not to mention the uphills and downhills that affect green speed. Could you right. imagine a putt that's, say, uphill and into the grain versus one that's downhill and down grain? Freakishly different speeds, wouldn't they? They would be substantially different, yes. Yes. So, as golfers, we have to figure these things out by paying attention to the environment around us. What the heck are we putting it on? That's the mistake I made. There you go. That whole paying attention thing. That whole, I know, that's where (laughs) I knew I'd get you. You and your ADD, not paying attention. (laughs) These are looking at the squirrels, right? Yeah. Hey John, is this grain is this into the grain uphill or down grain downhill? What? Huh? <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> hey, look, I think I found a ball over here. <laughs> I did, however, follow follow your uh, your instruction. Um hit one drive that I I yanked it left and it was in the rough. Only about maybe 140 off the green, but there was a very large tree about 20 yards in front of me. So there was no way I was going to get a ball over that tree and onto the green. So rather than trying to pull off some sort of a, you know, superhero shot and hit a low screamer underneath the branches that rolled up on the green, I just chipped it out. Basically wound up with about a 62 yard shot to the green. Took my lob wedge, hit my third shot, put it about six feet from the cup, and then made the putt. 
but you again, special? But again, I did, I did not look at, you know, whether I was putting with or against or whatever. I just, you know, read the slope a little bit and closed my eyes and hit it. <laughs> Which is the well, technique I usually use. Close your eyes in case you hit it. That's right. <laughs> You didn't hit it. You didn't see yourself miss. That's a, that's a lovely way to look at golf, right there. Right. <laughs> so, interestingly enough, here we are talking about chipping and putting, right? So, you hit eight greens. You shot forty. Mm-hmm. You doubled the green that you had. So that means you effectively were two over par on the rest of the greens. Yeah, because right? you were two over on one hole. Yeah. So that takes care of the green you missed. So it tells me about your first putt speed, doesn't it? Yeah. First putt, really. You know, because one of the things that I do when I help people is I try to figure out, you know, I want to know a couple of statistics right off the bat. I want to know the length of their second putt. Tells me everything I need to know about the first ones, right? Right, right. Right. You know, so if they say, oh, yeah, second putt, I'm usually hitting it to like six feet. Like, okay, we got a problem with the first one. Yeah, exactly. They'll all blame the six footer. I get it. It might be the six footer, but it shouldn't have to be a six foot putt to begin with. Yeah. You should not have left it six feet short. But no, no. no. Wow. We got to get that thing in there to a foot. Right? I like making these things really easy, you know? So if you're, you know, if your first putt is leaving you too much on your second putt, we really got to talk about the first one a lot. Yeah. So, all right. So you made, so you made six bars and two bogeys on the eight that you uh, hit the greens. Yeah. So you three-putted twice. Was there any chance for a birdie in there? I mean, legitimate chance. Was it inside of 12 feet at any point? Oh, yeah. I had I had a, a lot of chances for birdie. Um, you know, I had a lot of, you know, one foot and shorter second putts. A lot of tap-in second putts. I mean, I I, I did you know, what, six, six pars, right? Okay. Six pars, two bogeys and a double bogey. That's what I, what I shot. Okay. Um, so when you, when you look at that, how do you think based on the putts that you had, how difficult were they on the ones that you, didn't hit the right distance. The ones that were all within a foot, yay, that's terrific, right? But what about the ones you did not? Were those well, putts- again, because I wasn't paying attention to the grain and, and those types of things, they were both because one I left short and and hit it was about maybe a three-footer, but I hit it badly. I knew okay. from the minute I contacted it, it was not going to go in a hole. I mean, it just it skirted the hole. I was like, mm, I knew that when I hit it. But the others, I ran past the hole because okay. I didn't know my own strength. E-man. Or didn't look Eight at the... Wheaties for the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, know your own strength. All right. E-man, let's go. So <laughs> so let's think about what, what thoughts are in your head when you putt. I know what I try to do with my students is I just set, have a simple thing of stop it at the hole. Yeah. We don't have to think a lot. Yeah, I, is that where your head's at? Yeah, I mean, as far as as far as yeah, 
as far as hitting it, you know, speed wise, that's what I try to do. Stop it at the hole. But the main thing that's in my head is I got a two ball putter and my eyesight. I don't know what's wrong with it, but sometimes I think I'm hitting it straight and I don't, you know, I think I'm aligned correctly and I'm not, Yeah. you know, it's an optical delusion on my part, but, uh, you know, but, but again, the, the ones that stopped, I mean, most of them, I had two putts and most of the time with those two putts, the second putt was, was very, very short tap ins, gimmies, whatever you want to call them. So, so we can delve a little bit more deeply into that when we come back. I mean, you want to just, you know, cast aspersions upon my chipping game and my putting game. I mean, you know, beat me up. That's what I'm here for. Wrong, <laughs> find out what's wrong. I enjoy it deep down inside. We are those weekend golf guys. We'll be right back. Of course, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash golf guys. We would love it if you were to go there and like us, facebook.com slash golf guys. And if you're one of those companies that stayed open during COVID, I have some great news for you. Government funds are available to reward companies who stayed open during that challenging time. It's not a loan. You don't have to pay it back. Your hard work to stay open could qualify you for up to $26,000 per employee at refundsasap.com. That's refundsasap.com. You heard that right. Up to $26,000 per employee. This program is complicated, but nobody knows more about it than the tax experts at refundsasap.com. You pay nothing up front. They do all the work. Then they share a percentage of the cash they get you. Businesses of all types, including nonprofits and churches, can qualify, including those who took PPP loans. If you have five or more employees, let refundsasap.com help you get up to $26,000 per employee. Visit refundsasap.com. That's refundsasap.com. Refundsasap.com. We are those weekend golf guys. I'm John Ashton. He is Jeff Smith. I'm in the studio. He's out on his veranda staring at the Rocky Mountains. Eagle sure. Springs Golf Club, excuse me, golf course in uh, Walcott, Colorado. Okay, one of the things that I was so proud of is that my second shots, for the most part, were great. Yeah, you hit eight greens. I know dang well, you know, yeah. your iron play was pretty solid. And the ones that I missed, I was not using an iron. You know, I hit, I hit a, <laughs> I hit, a, hit a five wood out of the fairway, my third shot on a par five because my second shot was terrible. And, you know, I hadn't played, just in my own defense, I hadn't played for a month, okay? And I did what? get there an hour Dude, and ten minutes. The golf early. addict has not played golf for a month? No, like I said, man, if there was, it's been raining so much, and it, or it's been really hot, and if it's not raining and not really hot, I have to mow my lawn. So, but anyhow, I play, made time. I, I carved out the day. I called... Everybody I knew that I played golf with, only one of them could make it. So it was just two of us, and we just played nine because I'm a wimp and it was hot. But the the ones, the, the greens I did not hit were because I was using a wood or a hybrid. Yeah. And the distance on those shots was perfect. It was just either a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right of the green. I was flag high each time. That's great. You know, you're just striking the ball well. Pretty happy yeah, about that, right? Very well. Yeah. All right, so let's think about goaded me into talking about chipping. Right. right? <laughs> so let's talk about some of the things that people do in chipping okay. that really screw up the works. 
One is they put the ball too far back. Yeah. A lot of people have this notion, okay, I'm going to put the ball back and I'm going to shove the handle forward and I'm even going to lean forward. Like I'm going to put a whole bunch of weight over here on the left side. Like, wait a minute, hang on. That's a lot of compensations right at the beginning. Do we really have to do that? Because really what physics says is that the club's got to get below the ball. And if we can't do that because our weight's forward, our handle's forward, and then the head's back there and the ball's way back there, as soon as we pick that head up and move it back, it's in the air. And then it's coming in steeply into this golf ball because it hasn't gotten close enough to the bottom of its natural heart because we shoved the bottom of the natural heart so far forward. Now, all of a sudden, the head's still high off the ground. And now we have to shove it down to the ground on the way through with our, our hands to plow it into the ground. Now, all of a sudden, we got a leading edge that's digging in because the ball's way the hell back there. Yeah. Wait a minute. What happened to just stand there, balance yourself out, and skim the ground and look where the, the club skims the ground? Guess what, folks? It's really close to center. <laughs> <laughs> it's really close to center. And then you find out, my God, I don't have to do all these funky gyrations just to slide the club below the ball. You can pick any club you want to. You chip with a lob wedge, a sand wedge, a gap wedge, a pitching wedge, 998, whatever. Yep. Heck, some people chipping with hybrids. Okay, fine. Guess what, folks? Club's still got to get below the ball. Right. So put it in a, put the ball in a place where the club's really at the bottom or very, very, very close to the bottom of its arc, and you'll really succeed. And then all of a sudden you go, hmm, wonder how much shaft I really need in my hand. Should I grip down on it? Should I not grip down on it? How far should I stand? Well, why don't you find out what you can control and what you can predictably control and where it's landing? And then pick the shaft length that matches that. Okay. There's jumps. It's easy. Okay. Yeah. There's another thing, not me, but some people I play with have a problem with, <laughs> and that is sometimes they think that because I guess I read it in a magazine, if they strike their ball on an iron shot or or a chip with the ball a little bit farther forward but the club also farther forward, you know, like the, the same setup you've used for that driver so that you are striking it at the right place, but you can get a little more height out of it. Well, that's what, that's the first thing I tell people if they need a high chip. Yes. But right? the problem so they do them. is they, they practice right. and they do what you just said. They watch where the club hits the ground and, you know, and they set up right. correctly and then they, they go and they hit it fat because for some reason their swing even though they took maybe three or four practice swings to make sure that they had, you know, the right rhythm in the right place to hit the ball. They still swing like the ball was where it normally is. Uh -huh. They just can't seem to make the trans transition in their head to the ball yeah, being right. a little bit further forward. Yeah. Well, since it's not you, and it's just somebody to play with. I'll stay away from the mental deficiency portion of that conversation. Well, no, I, so no, I, I, can, I can tell you who it is and it would, it would count for the mental deficiency portion. <laughs> Go ahead. So let's let's just think about that scuffing the groundwork more forward. Mm -hmm. It's really helpful to turn the chest through. Okay. It helps bring everything forward. Okay. If your head's down and your chest is still, and then you're just picking it up and throwing it down with your arms, you're going to land behind it. Yeah. So all those people that do it well in the practice swing, scuff, 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 everything looks great, and then they get over there and then they freeze. 
you know, and start body parts on lockdown, you know, mm-hmm. like head down and all that kind of nonsense. Right, stuff yeah. That's festering through. Yeah, um, gotcha. now you're just, you're just setting yourself up for failure there, folks. Okay. So let's let it turn through. Let it be a free and easy shot. Let's not make it a problem. Okay. I'll pass yep. that along. <laughs> be a good idea. Yeah. Be a good idea. I appreciate so, it. <laughs> yeah. And just my partners case, will appreciate it too. Yeah. Just in case <laughs> they, uh, they, they, need, they need a little bit of that advice. So listen to the show. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But again, is it is it just just a, a a situation where if you have the confidence, if you know that you've set up correctly, if you know the ball is positioned correctly, and you know that the club is positioned correctly, that you'll just swing normally and and you won't have to worry about how hard or how soft you're swinging. You know what? Here's the easy part: is you don't have to worry. You just kind of gauge it. You look how far away the thing is, and you kind of brush the ground. While you know paying attention to how far away the target is, right? Whether it's an uphill or downhill, and what club you got in your hand, and all of a sudden you'll start making these brush the ground strokes pretty easily, even if the ball is a little bit more forward, so that you can turn through the shot and just kind of scuff the ground right below the ball, and the ball just pops right up and then lands softly and trickles. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's pretty important to. To realize what you're looking at, you know, if you want the ball to run out, you put it about in the middle, right? And if you want to uh, want the ball to settle down pretty quickly and to- get tossed in the air a little higher, you might grab a little higher, you know, higher loft club. Might even use your lob wedge for that mm-hmm. right? to toss it high. And then you know, you look at it, and you're like, okay, it tossed a little higher, it landed a little softer, it kind of trickled out. That's a pretty good shot for something close to you and flat, maybe even a little downhiller. Yeah. 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 Another thing too is again, this goes back to the ADD, I guess, but I I don't take into consideration the greens situation prior to chipping. There's a lot of times I'll hit a chip thinking I know where it's going to go, but it breaks the wrong way, or I didn't notice another break, or I didn't notice that little downhill portion that I hit and the ball scooted away from on, you know, those types of things. Yeah. Oh, don't look at me in that tone of voice, man. Come on. I'm just shaking my head going, come on. <laughs> really? All of a sudden you just stop caring about what happened to your golf ball. Stop caring about your score. Well, no, but it, well, you know, it's, it's what you go back to all the time is it, it you walk up there and you're ticked off at yourself for being three feet off the green. In in some you know gunchy stuff when you could have just three more feet, just a little more careful on that shot you just hit, and you could have been on the green, yep. dummy. You know, yeah. You <laughs> know that I just that just people, ruins your attitude, man. So I was this, it does. I was helping this fella. Here we are. I know we just got a few seconds left. I was helping this fella who's a really good player. And a really bad decision maker on which type of shot he would hit mm-hmm. on the short game. And I gave him a short game lesson. He looked at me and goes, You didn't tell me a technique. You just told me which shot to hit. Like, uh huh. I said, Why aren't you your own caddy? <laughs> he looked at me and goes, I don't know. <laughs> You're not paying attention. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's, I guess, a good reason to have a caddy. And that's, and yeah. that's probably one of the reasons why some of these, um, you know, phone apps that you can use are, are adding a lot more than just the GPS information. But I mean, if you want, you can dial up how to hit the shot on some of these things. You know, they yeah. actually have like, like a, you know, a artificial intelligent caddy with you in your phone now. So it's, it's pretty interesting because, you know, you would have to kind of have command and control over the game, but really, truly to hit all the shots that somebody tells you how to play. Do you really need an app for that? Right. If you do, you do have some serious ADD problems, don't you? <laughs> You're like, I don't even know. I'm a decent player. I got all these skills. I just don't know what shot to choose. <laughs> you let some app tell you how to play the game. I think you might want to play the game a little more. As I said the other day, I'm kind of tired. And my wife said, hey, there's an app for that. We'll be right back. We are those weekend golf guys. It'll hit you in a minute, okay? We are those weekend golf guys. Hang out. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-248-3508. For 24-hour response, call 800-248-3508. 3508 800-248-3508 that's 800-248-3508 and we are back one more once we are those weekend golf guys i'm john ashton he is jeff smith and we're talking about add and we're talking about quality of shot and we're talking about how high to tee the ball and where to place the ball when you chip and how to read a green when you putt. Because I have really recently been, it just came to me, blinding revelation that you have to know all that stuff in order to play a successful round of golf. I it's know almost, all that stuff. I just don't pay attention. It you almost have to pay like, attention all you gotta pay attention, right? Yeah. I, got, I got a buddy of mine. He doesn't read a green at all. He just gets up there, hits the ball and thinks that's golf. Okay. He forgets about the other part of golf that when you get it onto the green or near the green, you actually ought to go read the green. Mm-hmm. Like at least people, please, if you if you're that guy, this is okay, fine, I'm tuning in at the hole. At least understand to watch your ball and learn that it isn't gonna go there all the time. And then ask yourself a question like, huh, I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> something's there that's making my ball do something different than what I thought. <laughs> Wonder what that could be. Yeah, I didn't put any spit on that putt to it. make it move to the left. What happened there? Interestingly enough, folks, the word is the word that we use for that is called slope. <laughs> <laughs> there are slopes in the green. There are humps. There are bumps. There are lumps. Yes. In the green. And our ball has to roll across it at a certain speed. In order to get to the hole. 
and mm-hmm. stop at the hole. So we got to kind of consider what could be happening on the greens that we have to adjust for, take into account before we even hit it. Yeah. So how do you do it, John? How do you go about reading the greens? I know how I do it. And I know how to teach people to do it. How do you do it? I think we've pointed out not well. <laughs> well, right? So in this not well, you know, are you one of those guys that squats down and tilts his head a little bit? Kind of oh, hell no. If I squatted and, down, I couldn't get back up again, man. No. So, so you're just out there looking at it thinking, yeah, I'm going to – I'll aim it over there. That looks like it's going to go that other way. No, I look at where, you know, the – the high part of the green is and, and what direction it seems to be flowing in, if, if any, and, you know, you can always tell the, the ground, if you look right at the hole, you can see if the hole is the ground at the hole is even, or if it's skewed a little bit or whatever. Yeah. Now, see, if you're going to look at something, in my view, that'd be the only thing I would look at is what's happening right at the hole. Cause we can see tilt. Mm-hmm. And like the hole itself is tilted, yeah, right, one direction or the other, left or right, right. Then we know that that's at least two percent, okay. Because anything less than two percent, I don't, I don't know if you would see it, can, can yeah. view it, right? Couldn't see it, right. So you look at that, and you're like, what do you mean percent? Yeah, it's tilted, you know, a certain percentage. Or you know, you measure out how far you are, and how far that would be up in the air, and it's a percentage of it, you know, incline. Okay, so I just walk, and then I stop, mm-hmm. and then I walk a little bit more, and I and I stop, and then I walk a little more, and then I stop a third time. And I, what I'm trying to do is trying to feel what's going to happen to my ball on the ground that it's going to roll on. I do not pay attention to Mount Geronimo over on the left, nor Ray's Creek on the right, <laughs> and I do not put it so that everything breaks toward the Las Vegas Strip. Because I know, oddly enough, when they built this golf course that you're standing on, they used this stuff called earth-shaping equipment. Right. And the designers are there to make it challenging and to fool us. Yes. So if we're still foolish enough to think that things that are not the ground that my ball is rolling on will affect my putt, we are seriously and sadly mistaken. And that's what their job is, and they do it well. Last year I played up in Maine, and they were telling me, everything breaks toward the ocean. They lied. Yeah. I got news for you, folks. When some, when some starter tells you everything breaks this way or that way, he obviously hasn't played much on that golf course. Right. <laughs> or he's got because money on your opponent, one or the other. Yeah, sure. something. Because there's no, there's no everything breaks everywhere thing yeah. going on there. Yeah, not at all. Right? No, you you have to be able to to at least have a modicum of of an idea of where your ball is going to go in order to hit it correctly. But, but I mean, at would, least would if you you're say if, walk up your own line? Yeah, and feel what's going to be on the ground that your ball is actually going to roll on, and which direction it goes, and to how much a little or a little more than a little or a lot. And the, but the secret point, is. That you did not tell me the when you first explained that that's how you know walk the line is don't look at it. That's right. Don't look. Don't even look down. Don't even come close to looking down. Yeah. Because John, let's just say your your feet are 
on the ground and they're telling you one thing and your eyes start looking down at that same ground and it looks down at more of a direct straight down look and it's giving your brain some feedback that it's not breaking. Yeah, they'll tell you it's flat. And now you got this battle of information in your head. Your feet say one thing or, your, you know, you, whatever that is, uh, tilting your body and your eyes are saying something different. So you don't need that. So you've got to listen to the feet all the time because they are the ones you look. Every step you take anywhere in your whole life, your feet and ankles are doing the adjusting to right. the slope mm-hmm. all the time that you're walking on. Every single chance. Yep. Right? So you look at that and you're like, yep, let's believe the feet. Because we know the eyes are a bunch of liars anyway. Because <laughs> they sit there and they look. And, you know, you can't see it. You tilt your head. The eye, eye line is skewed. You know, you can't see it. Next thing you know, you got one eye that's more dominant than the other. Mm-hmm. And then we got all these different color patches in the green. A whole bunch of different shades of green. Guess what, folks? That's visual trickery. Confusing is what I call it. Yeah. Now, yeah. all of a sudden, you also got to view it from, like, over a hump and down a slope and all that. And you're like, wait a minute. Now you got visual depth perception problems too mm-hmm. yeah. so you got to think about that so go take a walk stop a third of the way in stop and feel it go stop halfway in go stop two-thirds of the way in. go stop three-fourths of the way in and go feel it go hmm all's gonna be rolling across this slope it does this right in here it's about this much you know what and then there's that whole speed the ball's traveling thing Mm-hmm. John, you've hit putts too hard, mm-hmm. and you've effectively hit it through the break, right? Yes, yeah, so. something, and then you clobbered your putt. And all that calculation that you did, like, oh, I'm going to roll it over here, and this part's going to make it go over there, and then you blow it right through there, and nothing ever happens, and you just screwed up your whole putt. Yeah. 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 How many times so you heard, oh, man, ball hit, ball it ball. hit it through the break, man. Hit it through the break. Yeah. Right. It's a great excuse, anyhow, for every putt you miss. Hey, I want well, to tell you one thing about last week, you know, where you uh, you you coined your phrase or like used your favorite phrase about how good golfers practice till they get it right and great golfers practice till they can't get it wrong. You know, yeah. We've, we've got a, a fan out in L.A. Yeah, we've got a young lady out in L.A., Juliana, who uh, came across the podcast and started listening to us. And, and because she was listening to us, she she got involved in golf and decided she wanted to try playing some golf. Well, we kind of frustrated her last week. <laughs> Wait a minute. If I if I want to be great, I have to keep practicing all the time. I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> Come on, Juliana. It's fun to get better. Yes, <laughs> exactly. That's that's what you have you have to beat that into people's heads. Is it as much fun as you have playing golf now? How much better would it be if you were shooting four or five strokes less every every round? I mean, that's all four or five strokes, and that's not a whole lot. That's maybe, you know, three less three putts. That's, you know, two better second shots. It's it's not a whole lot to ask for. It's really not. No, it really so isn't. So even though this is a game for most people, and it's supposed to be fun for most mm-hmm. people, Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Who has fun when they hit it like crap? Nobody. Right? So it is more fun to be better because you hit that one shot 
throughout the round of the golf, you're like, yeah, that's it. Right away, you instantly get this high yeah. of hitting it well. Guess what? Go do it more often. You'll have more of those. Yeah. It's, really a, it's really that simple, Juliana. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Trust us. Trust us, lady. Just do it, okay? Just okay. do it. Don't worry Just, about it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> so says the guy who's so averse to practice that it took seven years for you to utter it without stuttering. I'm just trying to get everybody to avoid the problem that I had, okay? That's right. You had a nervous tick every time that word came up. For three years, I called you Mr. Iverson. (laughs) And also, I had so many balls into the woods, I used to get real ticks when the game was over. So, you know, (laughs) it was terrible. But anyhow, follow Jeff's advice, okay? Practice until you can't get it wrong. And go out and have a lot more fun the next time you go out to play some golf. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.